Hey guys, welcome to the Quacks Podcast. Today we're going to talk about a mushroom. Now every summer, there are residents of the Tibetan Himalayan mountain range who flock to the countryside at 13,500 feet up to the Himalayan plateau for really what is a modern day gold rush. They're not going there for gold though, but for a rare fungus that can fetch thousands of dollars from people who are willing to buy it. Now that fungus is called cordyceps, and it's one of the most sought after ingredients within Chinese medicine. Just one kilo of this fungus costs between 12 and 25,000 US dollars. <laughs> so quite a bit there. Uh, if you were gonna take this in capsule form, that would be 120 to $250 per pill. Now, there are many different types of cordyceps uh, that exist around the world, but only the one harvested in the Himalayas fetches that price. And what makes that cordyceps both horrifying and fascinating is its method of reproduction. So what cordyceps does, and this is any of the cordyceps, they will infect an insect, and there's a specific type of cordyceps for each type of insect. So there's one for ants, one for caterpillars, you know, whatever. So it infects the insect. After it has infected the insect, it will take over the insect's nervous system, making it into this zombie undead thing. And then it controls that zombie and it commands it to go wherever the fungus reproduces best. And once there, the fungus consumes the insect from the inside out. It mummifies it. If you haven't seen this, it's pretty horrifying. I'll have some videos in the show notes if you want to watch it. And, uh, and after it mummifies it, it sprouts this little mushroom out of its head, which is called a fruiting body, which then shoots fungus spores out into the environment. And hopefully those find their way into insects and it starts the whole cycle over again. Now, back in Tibet, there's a very special type of cordyceps. This cordyceps takes control of a moth caterpillar which lives under the ground. It forces the caterpillar to the surface, sprouts the fruiting body, does that whole dance, and hopefully re, you know, reinfects another caterpillar. Now, when you look at it, it almost looks like a, a dark worm kind of sticking up out of the ground or, or you know, maybe like just a darker colored piece of grass. So it's very hard to see. And so these Tibetans come along and they scavenge the countryside. They, they crawl on their hands and knees, looking very closely, trying to find this little mushroom, which they can then sell at a nice profit. The sad thing though, is they are so good at finding these mushrooms that cordyceps is now on the uh, endangered list. The demand for them in China has been so high that it is getting harder and harder for people to actually find and harvest these cordyceps because they're being over harvested. And these families, they spend all day on a mountainside hunting these cordyceps. I mean, it's like a full-time job in the summer. They and, and they might only find, you know, one or two or three cordyceps in an entire day of looking. So, I mean, it's, it's hard work. And each one of these little cordyceps, they weigh about half a gram and they get them, you know, about $9 or so. So not, not that much money, but apparently it's a lot of money over there to them. But why is it so expensive? Why is it so sought after? Well, like I said, cordyceps is one of the most important ingredients in Chinese medicine. And I'm going to tell you at the end of this podcast how you can get cordyceps for just about 25 bucks a bottle. So, um, you know, we can still get the benefits. But the way the legend goes in Bhutan is cattle, these big yaks, uh, they ate the little cordyceps as they were out grazing in the fields. And the herders noticed that when the cattle ate these cordyceps, they became unusually robust and strong and lived a long time. So they started feeding the cordyceps to the cattle to improve their herds, almost, 
almost like we do with uh, like antibiotics or, you know, human growth hormone, but they're just using, you know, natural mushrooms. So much better. Anyway, they did that. And then at some point, some daring herder started eating it themselves and they noticed a variety of benefits because people will eat just about anything. So what kind of benefits? Well, there was an article in an Ayurvedic medical journal, which I'm going to link to in the show notes, and it details researchers who went around and asked traditional medicine practitioners in this region what those benefits of cordyceps were and what it was used for traditionally. So, I mean, it's basically a survey of, of medicine doctors. Well, the benefits that got mentioned that were mentioned the most often were increased longevity and erectile dysfunction. (laughs) Uh, So those two were reported the most, and it makes sense. Cordyceps is often sold in China as an herbal Viagra. So those were the most mentioned. Uh, The next most mentioned were female aphrodisiac, general weakness, malignant tumor, liver disease, kidney disease, and low blood pressure. So those were the next most. And then the ones least mentioned were infertility, tuberculosis, bronchitis, cough, colds, arthritis, jaundice, chronic pain, sciatica, diabetes, and prostate problems. So a lot of different things that it was potentially used for. But what about recent research? You know, what kinds of interesting things has science found about it? Well, studies have shown that cordyceps extract increases the amount of energy in your muscles and tissues by boosting levels of ATP in our cells. And ATP is this fuel that our cells use to drive many of the processes in our body, things like uh, muscle contraction, nerve impulses, uh, biochemical synthesis. ATP is, is, you know, needed for all those different things. And modern science will tell you that ATP has extra phosphate bonds that are highly energetic. And then when you break those bonds, you get the needed energy in the cell. And, and that energy is what does things. But If you ask renowned researcher Gilbert Ling, he will tell you that ATP is not used as an energy source so much as it creates the chemical environment that allows protein structures to hold together. And this is kind of over my head, uh, but Gilbert Ling rocks. It's only a matter of time before his theories on biology just take over, um, you know, the, the mismatch of theories that we have today. So anyway, uh, back to the science of cordyceps. We know that cordyceps will raise ATP because when you give mice cordyceps, their liver has an increase in ATP levels, and it has a drop in the components that are used to make ATP. So so cordyceps is urging the body to make more ATP. More ATP means more energy, better protein structure, and better protein structure means better health, better resiliency to disease, etc., etc. Now, if you have more energy in your muscles... That also means you have less lactic acid. So we all know what lactic acid is. You work out really hard at the gym. The next day you're sore uh, because of the buildup in lactic acid. And so having more energy should mean less lactic acid. Your muscles can run on more oxidative energy instead of switching over to an anaerobic process that creates lactic acid. Well, there are studies that show this is true. There's studies in mice that show that they can swim longer when they're given cordyceps. And there's actually a study in humans with 20 adults, so not too many, but they were aged 50 to 75. 
they were given about a gram of cordyceps a day for 12 weeks, and then they measured them on a stationary bike, and they had improvements in the time until their muscles were fatigued. I think it's about a 10% improvement there, and then, let's see, an 8.5% increase in time before they became out of breath. So just in general, their physicality improved, their endurance improved. So, I mean, that's small human study there, but it is confirming the mouse results. The best source, though, for what cordyceps may do for humans is the self-hacked article, which I am going to put in the show notes. These guys always do great articles. Uh, They rank all of their claims from solid evidence to, you know, maybe this helps with this to, you know, this is just speculation. So the most evidence that science tells us for cordyceps in humans is for three things. First, protecting the kidneys especially from damage from certain antibiotics or treatments known to injure the kidneys. It may also help kidney disease in general. There was a small trial, 98 people, that showed cordyceps slowed the progression of kidney disease, uh, and it did this by blocking certain inflammatory pathways. So in general, good health for the kidneys. Second thing on the list is modulating the immune system. So cordyceps may help dampen the immune system in cases of autoimmune disease, as well as boost the immune system when it's fighting off infection. I thought that was really cool. Uh, there was a, a different, a couple different studies that showed this. They they had one study that looked at autoimmune thyroid disorders and cordyceps improved those conditions, and another study that looked at natural killer cell activity and cordyceps improved natural killer cells by I think like forty percent. So really cool that it's modulating the immune system um, when so often you either get one or the other. You either get an immune system that's too boosted or too suppressed. And it's nice when it can thread that that needle, which might suggest, I mean, this is just me kind of speculating, that a lot of autoimmune conditions are based on low levels of ATP or low levels of mitochondrial function. And, and I've heard this theory thrown out there that basically autoimmune disease is when some part of your body, an organ or whatnot, becomes degraded and the body recognizes that it's it's no longer energetic and it's no longer holding together well and it tries to attack it to to get rid of you know those cells that are dying it's almost like a a halfway point between you know healthy and cancer autoimmune disease would kind of be in the middle where your your immune system's fighting it but um, because it's kind of dead, but it's not totally, you know, gone into weird cancer mode where it's just like, you know, replicating itself over and over again. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting theory. Anyway, uh, the last benefit on the list from self-hacked and probably the most well-known one is improving lung function. Uh, there were two trials on 188 people, 180 people with asthma and cordyceps reduced inflammation in the lungs and improved overall lung function. And 180 people, you know, that's starting to get into significant territory. That's starting to be actually rather impressive. Um, Another study looked at COPD and 50 people had a positive outcome, reducing scarring and inflammation in the lungs. So yeah, lungs is a big, big thing. I I remember when I worked in uh, the health food store, cordyceps was always asked about uh, by people with asthma. That was like one of their go-to mushrooms for many of them, even COPD. We, We didn't talk to many people who had COPD, but you know, asthma was much more common, especially in children. Um, but even COPD, people would take things for breathing and cordyceps was always a big ingredient in that list. So anyway, if you want to know more potential benefits of cordyceps, like increased insulin sensitivity, weight loss, liver function, head over to that self-hacked article. Like I said, really worth the read. If you are interested in this mushroom or you're taking this mushroom, it's just good to know what the research is behind it. 
Uh, as far as adverse effects go, there's some published studies that have reported adverse gastrointestinal behaviors like dry mouth, uh, nausea, diarrhea, occasionally an allergic response. But overall, very little side effects reported. It seems to be super safe. Um, doesn't mean it won't mess you up, you know, in some way. That can always happen. Uh, but as far as science goes, it is safe at dosages, even up to three to four grams per day. The last thing I wanted to talk about with uh, cordyceps and just Chinese medicine in general um, is kind of how it can inform us about what's trending today. So, so this is going to be like my discussion part of this podcast. Right now, ATP is kind of a big theme in a lot of health writing and podcasts and stuff like that. But what makes it difficult to understand is just about every activity and supplement out there supposedly makes ATP levels go up. And a lot of these supplements or activities are contradictory in nature. And so I'm mainly talking about you know, using cold temperatures, fasting, and endurance exercise, which are said to promote mitochondrial biogenesis and increase ATP. So this is talked about a lot by Wim Hof, uh, Joe Rogan, Dave Asprey. Joe Rogan has so many people on who would like talk about how great cold temperatures are. Um, so a lot of really popular like biohacking gurus are talking about this. On the other hand, there is the exact opposite ideology professed by Ray Pete and people like him talking about how improving thyroid function, staying warm, uh, eating lots of food will achieve the same goal, basically increase mitochondrial biogenesis and increase ATP. So, you know, what's going on here? How do these totally opposite practices supposedly do the same thing? Well, I'm going to give you my answer and why I think that is. But first, I just want to let you know, Quacks Podcast has a website at quackspodcast.com. There you can see the notes from each episode, see recommended products, help the podcast out by shopping through the Amazon banner on the homepage if you feel like you have received value from the show, and sign up for the mailing list. I'm going to be putting out awesome emails someday. I haven't put out any emails yet, but I will someday, and it will be awesome. So you just you don't want to miss out on that. Anyway, uh, I believe the prime factor between these two different camps is the environment you live in. Meaning, let's look at how these Tibetans who are harvesting cordyceps live. Uh, they're living in stark cold where it dips below freezing even in the summer. Uh, they're doing grueling labor, harvesting these mushrooms. They're not eating much. I think breakfast for them is like yak butter and some barley flour. So it's not much that they're eating. Uh, and they're really in a pristine environment as far as a lot of the pollution goes. You know, their, their liver is not having to work overtime just to keep them alive. Now, if you were to come along and tell these people like, hey, you, you need to do cryotherapy and fasting to improve your ATP production and health, you'd probably kill a bunch of them just trying that. I mean, they're living cryotherapy. They're fasting every day, whether they like it or not. So the Wim Hof method is probably not going to help them. But if you came along and said, you need to improve thyroid function, you need to eat more, you need to stay warm, well, that, that might actually work because it would balance out their environment. Now, most people in America, they live in the exact opposite environment than these Tibetans. They're warm most of the time. They're not at high elevations. They eat tons of food. They don't move around much. You know, their livers are congested with all the toxins and poisons that they have to deal with from, you know, food and environment. So now you bring in cryotherapy and fasting, and they kind of make sense. You know, it's balancing out the environment. There's a logic there. And this balance 
is a traditional Chinese medicine concept. Uh, when, when TCM was being created, you know, they didn't know about bacteria or viruses or just a lot of what modern medicine knows today. All they knew was that when someone was seemingly very hot, meaning their cheeks and tongue looked hot and red, they were angry, that kind of thing, you, if you gave them something cooling, they felt better. Similarly, if someone was very cold, meaning tired, pale, you know, low energy, you gave them something warming and they felt better. So this whole body system of balance was created around hot and cold and damp and dry, even windy. You know, they said you could get too much wind in your body. Um, and then they would prescribe herbs or practices that would counteract these imbalances. The cordyceps mushroom grows in a cold, stark environment, and it takes in the chi of that environment. Or in scientific terms, you would say that the harsh environment causes the fungus to create chemical compounds that help it survive. So when you take that cordyceps, you are ingesting that environment. You're taking a little bit of that environment into you. So no wonder people are using it in the West for liver health and longevity and libido, uh, kidney function, lung function. If you went and lived in Tibet in the mountains for a few years, you'd probably get all those benefits. But maybe you can just take some of this mushroom that grows there and you can get a little taste of those benefits that way. That, that's, that's how I would look at it. It's like you're almost imbibing a little bit of their environment. And it's also why Chinese medicine is so cool because it uses these basic ideas of balance. It's very down to earth and it sees the human body in that way. And it just, it still has a lot of uses. So in conclusion, um, cordyceps has a lot of, a lot of potential benefits it's coming from an environment that would balance out a lot of the imbalances created by living in a Western world full of comfort and, and overconsumption. So you could compare it in some ways to cryotherapy or endurance exercise or fasting, but it's probably safer than those things. It's, it's probably less intense. You know, I would be, I'd feel much better taking a little cordyceps than I would jumping in a cold shower. Now, both cordyceps and a cold shower are going to be stimulatory in nature. So, you don't want to take a bunch of cordyceps before you go to bed. It's, it's going to be a bad time. And anything that's stimulatory can be overdone. You know, you can do too much. So you just want to be careful. You're not getting strung out taking it. You're not starting to get dark circles under your eyes and being too stimulated. You know, you have to kind of suss out what that feels like to you and make sure you're not pushing it. And actually, oftentimes, cordyceps is combined with another mushroom called reishi, uh, that's kind of a downer. So you get this <laughs> this kind of herbal speedball, uh, which is, I guess, kind of nice. Uh, I haven't tried that in a long time. I tried it way back in the day, and it was nice. Anyway, if you want to give cordyceps a try, you can get it easily on Amazon. Uh, the companies I like would be Host Defense, Four Sigmatic, and maybe Ohm as a third option. But, you know, how can you get it on Amazon, right? I mean, cordyceps is so expensive. How can I buy a bottle for $25? Well, They've tried to mass produce Cordyceps sinensis, which is the species of the fungus found in Tibet, but they haven't been able to figure that out without the caterpillar. They need the caterpillar. They can grow the mycelium, which is the roots of the mushroom, but they can't grow the fruiting body. You need that caterpillar head to get the fruiting body. But scientists did find another species called Cordyceps militaris, which will grow on different grains and things that are much easier to grow in a lab. And so that can be mass produced. And this other species has many of the same bioactive compounds as the wild stuff. It's not perfect, 
You know, it's a little bit different, but for a fraction of the price, you probably get many of the same benefits. And, you know, like I said, you know, in the uh, health food store, when people would come in for lung stuff, they were getting the Militaris species or the sil- uh the sinensis um, mycelium, these words are difficult. Uh, they were getting those species. They weren't getting the, the real stuff because the real stuff is going to cost you quite a, quite a pretty penny. Um, so when you buy a supplement of cordyceps, you're probably getting the militaris species or you know, the, the sinensis mycelium, but not the fruiting body. The fruiting body, that's where all the money's at, apparently. There are a ton of different companies that offer cordyceps but you may be getting fillers and not so much actual product. So I'd stick with one of those three that I mentioned personally. There are others that are good, um, but uh, I, I do like those three, especially host defense. That's all they do is mushrooms. So they're, they're pretty good at that. Uh, I'll have links to these in the show notes and under the recommended tab on the Quacks website. And I always pick these recommendations with what I would want to take if I were trying something. Uh, I use the knowledge that I've gained over the years about additives and manufacturing practices to just pick the product that I think is going to give you the best herb or, you know, whatever it is, the best chance to work for you. You know, you don't want to buy something and just be like, I don't know if this really worked for me. You, you really want to give it a chance so that you're not throwing your money away. Anyway, that's Cordyceps for you. Uh, I have some really great shows coming up. One is going to be on the lowest EMF phone you can get, which I haven't found anywhere else on the net. So you're really going to want to hear that one. I'm doing that one for YouTube because I did not. I did all kinds of research trying to find the lowest EMF phone. Impossible. Uh, I'm going to do another show reviewing David Sinclair's new book, Why We Age and Why We Don't Have To, which for the most part is pretty terrible, but it has one or two recommendations that may be really life-changing. So tune in for those. Thank you so much for listening.